um, the reason I ask the question, does God want you to worship in accordance with the dictates of your conscience? And you answered, no. And I believe that is the correct answer because that is another one of the phrases that I started to say was something that I left out of the America, uh, America's Constitutional Idolatry series because I needed to bring that, that one in as well. Because what I tried to do in that series was to show us a little bit about how they used familiar phrases or great-sounding phrases but in reality, what our perceptions or our, you know, the, those people of the colonial period's perceptions were of those words um, is a lot of what we see today with our people in America and, and wherever they are, in fact, is that smooth and flattering words can trick them up into... Um, a situation where they wind up casting off their God. And that's where we're at in America. We have actually said in our hearts, if you will, those of the framing period, said to the people, you know, that we believe that we have the right to worship our God according to the dictates of our conscience. And that's not true. What God wants is to worship him with righteousness. And that would be the righteousness of Christ at the advent of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. He was the quintessential um, uh, a sign, if you will. He was the quintessential um, uh, um, precursor to show those that would follow exactly what it meant to be obedient to the will of the Father. And to, to worship according to the dictates of your conscience, I mean, you talk about people having all sorts of dictates of their conscience that have nothing to do with the divine immutable laws of God and the divine immutable order of God having nothing whatsoever to do uh, with that righteousness. So uh, it's kind of interesting that, I guess, as we think about this George Bush presidency and the march to Kuwait, which subsequently ended with the march to Baghdad of the sun, and the Babylonian uh, captivity is, is where Judaism springs out of, and those that took over, essentially. It, um, you know, Doug, I have not heard one of these jelly-brained scribes say one word, not even an initial, of Tiananmen Square, where the Chinese government made guacamole out of their own people. And Mr. False Lord George Bush sat by idly and did absolutely nothing. They, they were killing people there, but but oil wells, now that's a different story. we got to go to war. You know, we didn't want a, a regime change in China, did we, Doug? No. Well, we obviously, obviously, yeah, obviously not bad enough, huh? 
Because that's our kinfolk. That we're all on the same page. George and Chinga Ding Ding, the the head guy of China, they're on the same page. That's why people they don't understand. There's about twelve. What is it? G twenty. You think any of those guys is opposition to any of them? They're buddies. And Mr. Comover, president, he's not three cents different than the rest of them. I know he talks a good game. But you keep an eye on him behind the scenes. Put him under a microscope and watch him. We don't need a wall around this country. We never did. What we need is law and order. And you can say, well, well, you can't say it because you know better, Doug. But that really is the recipe. Where in God's word did God say, build a wall around the village? Because they're coming, man, and you are in a heap of trouble. I'm your I'm your leader here, and uh, we need a wall. I didn't say right, that. Let, let me interject here. You you mentioned something, and a thought occurred to me again. You mentioned law and order, and think about this. You go rustling down the road in a big hurry to go to somewhere, and you happen to break a speed law. And suppose you went into court and you said this to the judge, well, Your Honor, let me tell you the way it is. You see, in my church world, they have taught me that the laws that were laid out for me by God have been done away. They're no longer valid or applicable. And so, in reverence to God and my religion, I look at these laws the same way. And so, if I violated the law, I am coming before you as the judge to say the violation was merely because my teaching and my training has been that those laws of the society have been done away similarly as was the law of God done away. How far do you think you'd get with that argument in the court? Two bangs with a gavel, and next. <laughs> so, so that's essentially what we've done with the laws of God: is we have said, "Hey, um, we don't need to worry about the laws of God because they've been done away; they've been put away. So, what need are you know? Not what." Need how about this one, Doug? Can you still hear me? Can you hear me now? 
Pick an area. I think, uh, I think we might have lost him. I'll check. Good evening, Jeremiah. Good evening. Yeah, he got disconnected in just a minute. So how have you been? Oh, pretty good. Very busy. We've just been getting wood. We got snow a couple days ago. So, yeah, staying busy, for sure. Uh, I still haven't got anything from you yet. I'm still waiting. Yeah, I know. I haven't gotten the time to send anything uh, yet. I'm hoping to get to it this week, though. Hey. Alright, you're back. That's good. Yeah, sorry uh, about that. Yeah. I'm sorry, but I wonder you you brought up this this idea of phrases. Uh, uh phrases that they can cost. And I wanted to mention this one. We lost three uh Americans over there two weeks ago. You notice how they always say they died fighting for our freedoms. We owe them everything. Is that guilt shaming? Well, I I don't know what it is other than propaganda, frankly, because, um, and nobody wants to cast these men's death um, in a despicable light, but but the reality that you're trying to express here is that how long are we as American people? I believe I've got Ron joining us this evening. It looks like Ron has uh, clicked into the line. And Ron, if you're able to hear me at this time, I just wanted to say welcome to uh, Gideon Warrior Network Fellowship this evening. Hey, thank you. Good evening. Uh, hello to everybody. All right. Um, um, Ron's an over-the-road trucker, and he's from my neck of the woods here, and, and we've uh, had several conversations over the past decade. At least I'm sure it goes that far, and, and uh, so tried to get an invitation out to him so he could try to join us occasionally when it works out for him as well. But just pretty much open here tonight, Ron. We just kind of opened the door a little bit on the subject of this uh, passing president, and some of our thoughts, obviously, are that you know we believe that these ungodly wars are are part of the problem. Uh, as Russell just asked, you know, this these three young servicemen that died here last week down in Af- Afghanistan. I did hear the news on it as well, and and. You know, the sadness of it is, is that, yeah, we're always being told that they're fighting for our freedom, and yet right here in America, we've become less and less free, and now we're going to build a wall, which means then that means something else. So, um, And we've already discussed the importance of a wall or the non-importance of a wall, and 
and all of these things, it comes right back to God's divine immutable laws. And I think the thing that I keep wrestling with and struggling with from day to day is that all we keep coming back to is that there's no righteousness. I, I started out tonight trying to think of what really, I guess, we might go with or what we, direction we might go. And the thought righteousness, the word, came to mind. And so I pulled it up on Webster's 1828. Righteousness. Definition number one. Uh, purity of heart and rectitude of life conformity of heart and life to the divine law. Righteousness, as used in scripture and theology, in which it is chiefly used, is nearly equivalent to holiness, comprehending holy principles and affections of heart and conformity of life to the divine law. It includes all we call justice, honesty, and virtue, with holy affections, in short, it is true religion. Second definition, applied to God, the perfection of holiness of his nature, exact rectitude, faithfulness. Definition three, the active, passive obedience of Christ by which the law of God is fulfilled. Four, justice, equity between man and man. And fifth, the cause of our justification. So, purity of heart, rectitude of life, conformity of heart and life to the divine law. Is there anything else that we can compare to when we want to consider the rectitude of our life and the purity of our heart? The only thing that we can compare that to is the word righteousness and what it means to have that. When we go to Matthew 15 and it says, you hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you saying, this people draws nigh unto me with their mouth and honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. That is right hey. from Christ's own mouth. Go ahead. Well, I wanted to tell you about this thought that came to me, and I was going to tell you first thing tonight. <coughs> and here it is. Christ said he came to give sight to the blind, correct? Can I get an amen? Amen. Okay. So we've already discussed in times before that that this blindness that we have could be literal or just misunderstanding or not being able to see the truth, correct? Sure, yeah. So this is the thought that came to me. This word of God, this document that we read because I'm 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 getting older and my vision is slowing 
And metaphorically speaking, this Bible is a set of readers or eyeglasses or or something of that nature. And every and we get when we read it and we just study it, a little bit of vision creeps in, doesn't it, Doug? It does. Some of the blurriness, like a set of binoculars, it just kind of, those lenses turn, and boom, we see a concept. And I thank God for it. There's no way you should be sitting in a church static after 30 years. You should have changed. You should have begun to see some things. That So anyway, you started reading tonight, so hopefully we'll see a truth. That's all I wanted to say. Yeah, well, it's, uh, you know, uh, what we're seeing out there right now in the news is more of the same. It's more propaganda. These people, these hypocrites, they they couldn't have said one thing that would have been... Uh, you know, uh, appropriate in in the times of his presidency, and we've got a lot of things that we disagree with him, uh, actions that he took, and um, the thing I keep praying that God's people will see is that more and more they are seeing the hypocrisy, the double standards that are so often employed in obviously the propaganda and what it's all intended for. And that hopefully will be um, the things that continue to bring the people back to God and out of this stupor and so forth. But, you know, God tells us at times that he's going to leave us in our in our stupidity, if you will, he's going to leave us in our in our arrogance. Um, and that sounds like traditions. Huh? That sounds conditional, doesn't it? Yeah, it it most definitely is. Yeah, it sure is, isn't it? But you don't hear that coming off the pulpit, do you? No, not usually, uh, not, and that's that's what I mean. You know, this scripture from Christ here in in Matthew fifteen, there at at seven through nine, um, you know, I think oftentimes people miss the big picture in something, and they focus on the little. So, in other words, in this particular scripture, he says, "Why do you also transgress the commandment of God by your tradition?" There at fifteen three, so that's where this begins. Um, God commanded, uh, saying, "Honor your father and mother." He that curses father and mother, let him die the death. But you say, "Whosoever shall say to his father or his mother, it's a gift by whatsoever thou might be profited by me, and honors not his father or his mother." So, my point is, is that they will focus on this issue about, well, these people were just not being honorable to their mother or father. Well, yes, that's a that's a teaching that that is either a primary or a secondary teaching. Um, 
I think the primary teaching, however, <clears throat> is what he's trying to say to them. And some would probably agree with me that it's the primary, and the secondary was the mother and the father issue. But uh, the primary is the hypocrisy, and that's what he was trying to point out. So he simply used what they were doing and said, that's hypocrisy. What you say unto me and drawing nigh unto me, and for all your professions that you believe me, and, and I look at America, I look at us in America, and I look at God's people wherever they are, and if we profess that we love him, if we profess that we believe in him, if we profess that we desire to follow after the will of the heavenly creator, the Father, then that means something. And if you then are going to abjectly say, well, the laws of God are done away. They've been put away. They've been nailed to the cross. Well, it's just like the example I gave. Suppose you got a speeding ticket. You walked into the courtroom and you said, well, in, in my religion, we learned that God's law was done away. It was put away. And so obviously in this civil society, I just expected that your law was done away also. Well, how far do you think you would get? And that's what the church world has done, and I hope that analogy helps people to see how idiotic, frankly, it is to say that God's laws have been done away and have been put away. That is like saying the very God of creation and all his divine order is of no value, it's of no consequence, it has no relation or bearing upon our lives or in our civil administration or otherwise, and we could no way walk into that courtroom and say, well, I just was of the belief that since it was done away in my, in my church, uh, uh, I was told that that law was done away. I just assumed in this civil society it was also done away. And ho hopefully it's an analogy that helps people to say, yeah, that does not make sense, does it? That we would just cast those laws of God aside and throw them out and and we would no longer need them or, or, you know, that's drawing nigh unto him with our mouths, but our hearts being far from him. He says, this people draws nigh unto me with their mouth and honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. Well, I don't know. Go ahead. I would like for you to help me read a chapter of the Bible if you that I think needs to be read right now. Well, let's do it. Where are we going? Uh, John chapter 10. And uh, there's 42 verses. So one of us can get the first 21, uh, the other the last, okay? All right, let I'm me, in John chapter 10. Let me start. <clears throat> Mine has the title of the parable of the good shepherd. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of sheep but climbs up some other way is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. 
To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he puts forth all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. And a stranger they simply will not follow, but will flee from him. Now, I found that very, very interesting as far as a red flag. Yeah. Because they do not know the voice of strangers. We didn't know that voice that was in Branson, did we? This figure of speech, Jesus spoke to them, but they did not understand what those things were which he had been saying to them. Jesus, therefore, said to them again, Truly, truly, in other words, here's the truth. I am giving you sight. And then here's he goes. I am the door of the sheep, and all who came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. That sounds like an abundant life, doesn't it? Yes. Here's the purpose of the thief. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they might have life and might have it abundantly. In other words, his children. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hireling, which is just a day labor worker, and not a shepherd, who is not the owner of the sheep, he doesn't have a dog in the hunt, beholds the wolf's coming, leaves the sheep because he doesn't want to get hurt and flees. And the wolf snatches the sheep and scatters them. He flees because he is a hireling. He works for wages. He has no dog in the hunt. He's not concerned about the sheep. They're not his sheep. Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. I have dogs in the hunt. And my own know me. Even as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep, which are not in the, of this fold. I must bring them also. They shall hear my voice, and they shall become one flock with one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it again. No one has taken it away from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down. I have authority to take it up again. This commandment I received from my father. Verse 19, there arose a division amongst the Judeans because of these words, and many of them were saying, he has a demon and is insane. Why do you listen to him? Others were saying, These are not sayings of a demon possessed. A demon cannot open the eyes of the blind, can he? You take it in 22. You you finish it from 22. All right, I will. Um, Let's have a little bit of comment. Go ahead. I was just going to say, let's comment on that. Because it's, uh, he said a lot there, uh, very similar to what you were reading in 15. Well, in fact, 
Right. In fact, and I just wrote in the margin of mine, uh, Matthew 15:4, and Matthew 10 and Ezekiel 34, that uh, it all has to do with the sheep uh, aspect of this as to who he was saying. Because remember, he says, I, you know, my sheep and other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also must I bring and they shall hear my voice and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. And this is a very key pivotal point of the whole understanding that um, many in the church world are not aware of because their pastors have not taught them, of course, and we're aware that if, if he has two folds of sheep and he's bringing these two folds of sheep together, first of all, he's expressing there are two sheepfolds, number one. So that in and of itself is foreign to many people. Wait a minute, I thought Jesus just came for everybody. You know, and then that's where you have to try to explain these things. But I'll go ahead and continue with uh, 22, and then we'll well, take the on. whole chat. All right, go ahead. Well, I thought of the, the last last. First, there a demon cannot open the eyes of the blind, and I, I was Amen. thinking, I was just thinking about that that serpent adversary. He was pretending to open the eyes, wasn't he? Yes. He was. He was. He was. Uh, he was just what's coming out of these people's mouth. I mean, the lie doesn't ever change. No. It just gets reworded. Well, and you're raising a good point there because what actually is, is being said um, is that, well, they already had some understanding. How do I want to put this? They already obviously had some understanding for them to say, well, he's, he's got a, a demon. Because these words that he says, these are new words. These words, um, some, obviously, because there was a division, began to hear these words and began to take them to heart, even though he spoke in the parable. He says, you know, I'm, I'm telling you, I am the door. No one can get to the Father but through the door. If you do not know, understand and have come to the knowledge that I am that shepherd that you must acknowledge in order to come to the Father through me, then you're you're not going to have that fellowship because through me, I am giving you that light and that understanding. So while some seem to uh, understand, there was nonetheless a division. And again, it says the division was amongst the Judeans, among the Judeans. So you had some who could hear it and receive it, and some who could not or rejected it. Going on with 22. Go ahead. Well, the essence of what that serpent said was, why do you listen to him? The same thing. When God told her what? 
to do and what not to do. He said, that's, what are you doing listening to him? He's not telling you the truth. Listen to me. He just knows that he's jealous and and if you take partake in this forbidden fruit, you'll be like him. I mean, see how they twist things up, this division. So anyway, go ahead to 22, Doug, because it just gets better. And it was at Jerusalem, the Feast of the Dedication, and it was winter. Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Then came the Jews round about him, or the Judeans round about him, and said unto him, How long dost thou make us to doubt? If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But you believe not, because you are not of my sheep. As I said unto you, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, Many good works have I showed you from my Father. For which of those works do you stone me? The Jews answered him saying, or the Judeans answered him saying, For a good work we stone thee not, but the blasphemy but for blasphemy, and because that thou being a man makes thyself God. Jesus answered and said, Is it not written in your law? I said, You are God. If he called them gods unto whom the world word of God came, and the scripture cannot be broken, say you of him whom the Father has sanctified and sent to the world, thou blasphemes? Because I said, I am the Son of God? If I do not the works of my Father, believe me not. But if I do, though you believe not me, believe the works, that you may know and believe that the Father is in me and I in him. Therefore they sought again to take him, but he escaped out of their hand and went away beyond Jordan unto the place where John at first baptized, and there he abode. And many resorted unto him and said, John did no miracle, but all things that John spake of this man were true. And many believed on him there. Well, obviously in this crowd of Judeans, there were some adversaries and there were some non-adversaries. There were some advocates, weren't there? Yeah. And he clearly said that you don't know me. You people don't know me. You're not one of my sheep. And he'd hear them.
Yeah, it is. Um, um, Ron may have been on the road. I should ask him if he was on the road because if he goes in and out on the signal, I told him that you know if that happened, why you know he can just try to dial back in and as he goes along. But he wound up getting bumped off the call, so uh, he may get called back in. But you know, you you started out to say let's get some understanding of this uh, John chapter ten. And so what is it that I, I think you were saying that in obvious uh, uh, that we have some discussion about it. I think you perfectly understand it. But um, what was the things that you kind of wanted to, you know, bring home and uh, bring out? Well, uh, just the similarity between the serpent and the division and in the mm-hmm. same way same uh, reaction, basically. Uh, when they, when these people were confronted with the truth, as Jesus said, I told you and you did, you do not believe the words that I do in my Father's name. And what's their reaction in 39? They wanted to arrest him or they wanted to neutralize him. And uh, they couldn't because he didn't give them that privilege. Well, yeah, and 40, and and when he goes to the place where John the Baptist was, at first, uh, you know, was baptizing, it says many resorted to him. So in other words, many came up to him and said, you know, John did no miracles. But all things that John said about this man were true. So there again, were true. And because they were true, many believed on him there. Uh, But some believe and some don't. And that seems to be real hard for a lot of people in the Christian church world to, to grasp is that some believe and some don't. And well, look what look what caused the division, Doug. Because of Jesus's word, that's what divided us at Branson. Yes. There arose a division against a division again amongst the Judeans because you can easily insert Jesus's words. And that's exactly what I thought about him when I heard it. If he ever, I was thinking, I was thinking that that guy speaking to us in Branson had a demon, and was he insane? And well, I was, yeah, I was wondering we're listening to him. Yeah, you know, and we just tolerated it. Our leader just sopped it up like syrup on a biscuit. That was the best he'd ever heard. Um, and I, I think you're a pretty insightful guy. What do you think about this hireling? Oh, absolutely. I mean, he's 
yeah, absolutely. He's given an example of, of um, well, you know, that's an interesting thought. Uh, and um, I'm trying to, um, I wrote at the top of this page, I said Jesus could only be talking to either Esau or Ishmael as having Abraham to their father. Um, so if I think of that, and, and I think of how Esau was to his brother, um, is the analogy of a hireling just that? Is it just an analogy, or did the word hireling actually mean something? But, um, but yeah, he's definitely trying to show that um, there's a difference between the true shepherd and the hireling because the true shepherd truly cares for the sheep. The hireling just simply is, hey, I am out of here. I don't need this. And that's kind of why I look at Trump the way I do, because who needs this? There's been many more men that could have bought the presidency, if you will. Many more men that can, um, you know, uh, move themselves into positions of power and authority, but why would they? Because, you know, who wants it? Who who wants to go through what you have to go through? And the way they attack this man, the way, you know, we see them attack Christ and so forth, just because of his words, they, they want to they kill him. They want to, you know, oust him. They want to... Uh, you know, he says they sought again to take him, but he escaped out of their hand. Um, in in many respects, this is this is what you see is how they so desire to just get rid of him because it's totally contrary to what they've been teaching. It's totally contrary to even what they believe, and. It takes somebody to actually be as a child, as Christ said, and take these things that he's saying and and believe them. Uh, believe them, he said, not for the works only, or, you know, uh, how did he put that? Um, because... Uh, I think it's in another gospel, perhaps. He says, many good works have I showed you in 32 of my father or from my father, for which of those would you stone me? The Jews answered him, saying, for a good work we stone thee not, but for blasphemy, because thou being a man makes thyself God. And Christ just quickly responds, wait a minute. Is it not written that you are God? And And... That's totally foreign to the church world. As I've tried to say so many times in the past, when you look at the big picture here of God's intention, you simply come to the conclusion that God, in his um, rightful creative order, made a determination that he needed somebody 
to work his will and his plan through. Because we know that he already saw the wickedness of man. He destroyed it with a flood. He saw the wickedness of of man also in enslaving one people in Egypt. Um, And he's active. He's, He's active. So would we not in our own affairs have somebody like a son or a daughter or whomever that would be in charge of the business, if you will. And in, in what the biblical record conveys is that God put somebody in charge of the vineyard, a people in charge of the vineyard, to go out there and to express the righteousness of God to be the blessing to the world, to take this truth and this word of truth to them, and all the nations would see and say, surely this is a wise and understanding people. Um, Well, think about this. In verse 10, Jesus tells us about this person it's called a thief. Yep. I went and looked at it, and guess what? It means a thief. <laughs> Translators got it right. And I think it's funny that it comes from the Greek word klepto. So they're kleptomaniacs. Mm-hmm. That would be an accurate description, wouldn't it? Yeah. But the, thief, the thief's sole purpose in life is to steal or take what's not his. And that's what those bastards did that claimed to be Jews. That's one thing they did. But in order to get something that's not yours, sometimes you have to kill, don't you? Uh-huh. And then a lot of times that leads to destruction of the evidence. So uh, Jesus is saying, I came to do just the opposite of the thief. And that would be to not steal, not kill, and to not destroy, or to create and and, and growth would happen in an abundant manner. I mean, this sounds like utopia, doesn't it? Yes. Well, in in 7, he says, yeah, in 7, he says, truly, truly, verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any. Huh? Don't you know they were frustrated? Yeah. Like Gideon. Well, and see, what that shows us, actually, is that all that ever came before me are thieves and robbers. So that means that somebody did come before Christ claiming that they were Christ. Yeah, but the or sheep they were... were they, yeah. The sheep were... They were not fooled. No. This is 
and uh, and then go up to five. The stranger, they simply will not follow, but they're repelled by him. Yeah, you know, and that that makes you think. You know, in America, for example, you know, the scripture tells us that God was going to write that law on the hearts and put it in their minds. And when the people are lamenting what has been going on in America, it's because of that law on their hearts and in their mind. And even though it hasn't been taught to them and they don't know how to express it or have it applied, um, there's a natural yearning. And they know that things are not right, just like they know this this shepherd would be the shepherd of the true the true shepherd. And so when we find ourselves those that are followers of Christ seeking a shepherd, um, we want to gravitate towards somebody who tells us at least that they believe in these principles that are our divine law. And and yet, we never see it actually fully being implemented. Um, you know, we never see it actually fully being implemented out there in, in their country. Go ahead. I said, I've not seen it implemented, not even close. No. And I'm sitting here, you know, I was thinking of this before we came on. Tis the season, Doug. And I wrote down on the board for my family. I'm going to read it to you, if you will allow it. Because I can't remember it verbatim. But I wrote down here, tis the season of Jesus Christ. Most definitely. I mean, uh, it's it's another one of those. Uh, Russell, are you still there? Oh, you. He's muted for some reason. Yeah, it looks like he went went down. Um, looks like. Are you sure? Called. I think. Huh? Yeah, I think he. Oh, there he there he's back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, me like, for some reason. You, uh, you got the free thing right there. Can, uh, can you hear me yeah. now? Okay, and and you heard what I said. Yes. I, I put down here. To, we'll celebrate December twenty fourth for my daughter's birthday. And then I put now on December twenty fifth, we're going to celebrate Jesus, and I put Happy Jesus Christ Day. And that sums it up for me. And that I'm not a Catholic. I don't have to be a part of their wording. And and Mary and all that applies to Jesus Christ. I understand what the Mass was. And that that's fine. But it, it's kind of neat that there's a...
Hello. Uh, I don't know what's going on. Hello. Is anybody here? Can you hear yeah. Me? Yeah, I can hear you. Um, wow. You know, Jeremiah, that that's doing it again, isn't it? Um. Hey, you know what? I think that was my fault. Uh, I moved to the talk shoot thing, and I think uh, uh, I didn't know what that, that. I think that was my fault. I did that accidentally. Please forgive me, my brother. Uh, please well, continue. Did, did, I'll mute out. Okay. Did, 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 did you hear me finish my thought? Yes. Okay, that's that's all I had to say about it. How it ties into what we're talking about, I don't know. Other than than there is a division that will that will usurp this season and turn it into something it's not in order for them to steal, kill, and destroy. So, well, go ahead. How about this? How, yeah, how about this? Um, what if the things that they do cause destruction or cause death. You see, because what we have in the biblical record is that whenever Israel was disobedient, what happened to them? They would suffer death. Go ahead. Uh, Russell, you still there? Yeah. It's okay. All right. What was that? I can hear you now. Okay. Can you hear me? Yep, I hear you. Okay, we're good. Okay. Um, so, you know, if they cause us to do something that is not scriptural, they can cause destruction uh-huh. if they cause us to do something that is not scriptural they can cause death and i think that's something that we often overlook is that um when they work these words and these commands of men that we read about in matthew 15 um well, don't forget about taking our blessings. Yeah. Our promises. Right. And so so if we do things which are not in accordance with the word and with his desired will, um, whether we celebrate something that's outside of the desired will or we, you know, and we buy into these things that, that have been manufactured for us, and they've been manufactured for the purposes that Christ expresses here to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So it, it shouldn't be surprising to us that they would manufacture something that they desire us to participate with that will actually uh, lead to a condition which would steal kill, or destroy. And 
when we go back to Matthew 15, um, I think maybe I will, um, just because... Doug, what you're saying here, they don't even have to lift a hand, do they? No. 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 I I believe that that is borne out scripturally. Yes, they do not have to. You see, that's one of the things the enemy does know. An adversary of the word of God, an adversary of Christ, um, that is one thing that they know is that what all you need to do is get them to do something else that's not in accordance with the will of the Father. So you don't necessarily have to, uh, you know, physically be involved, you know, as we might think, you know, somebody actually taking Russell's um, hand and leading him off uh, over a cliff. I mean, it's not like that at all, is it? It's more and more sinister. It's much more sinister than that. And that's exactly what he says. He says, you hypocrites, 15.7, Matthew, you welded Isaiah, prophesy of you, saying, this people draws nigh unto me with their mouth, honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandment of men. In vain they do worship him. So, as I say, if we're in the church world and they say, well, you can go ahead and celebrate this or you can go ahead and do that or you can do this, um, if that is teaching a doctrine or the commandment of men, then it is going to be worship in vain and it likely could steal, kill, or destroy as we're told in John chapter 10. Yes, amen. Uh, can you think at times in your life, we both say we've been, we're Christians. I can specifically pinpoint, now that you just brought that up, one exact time where my boss said, we are going to a strip joint. We were at a big city doing some work. And I said, well, y'all do whatever you want. Just take me back to the motel. Now, I'm not some angel, but I'm smart enough to know that that's not healthy, especially to your wife or you. But he kept going on and on, and I said, Bruce, I'll sit in the car. He was moaning about having to go back to the motel because it was sold to me as we're all going to go out and discuss what we did today, a business meeting. Uh-huh. And he became so angry at me. From that point on, that job, he did not like me. See, I had I had got to know his wife and his family. And I just I just he was sucked up in it, so he wanted me to be sucked up in it. You see how it works? Right. And this is how these people operate. Is they 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 suck you into these maybe many times they're not even in the actual deal, they just want you in it. Know what yep. I'm saying? I he absolutely say, hey, do. He could get me in the door and then say, Hey, I got a business call, I'll come pick y'all up in a few hours. We'd be stuck there. 
Yeah. You know? I mean, that, that, that time I know what he was trying to do to me. Well, and, and uh, 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 you know, um, we've got a couple of people that have joined here, and I've just uh, welcomed one by the chat, and um, I'll see if we can get a name just so we can say hello uh, there. Uh, but this is a, this is one of the things that uh, is so difficult for everybody, I guess, in the church world today to really get a hold of is that um, they want to just believe that everybody's, you know, just all wrapped up in this fuzzy little blanket called uh, Christianity or Judeo-Christianity. And um, it's... It, it leads to their own destruction. And I guess that's what I'm trying to convey here too, is that when we look at John chapter 10 and what's being conveyed there, um, uh, it, it's difficult for many people, I guess, to grasp the, you know, the idea that they are amongst wolves that are in sheep's clothing. And as Matthew 15 says, is that, you know, they they honor me uh, with their lips. Their heart, however, is far from me. And um, that that's... And nobody in the church world will at all say because they worship in vain, it... And well, how's I going to say it? Well, right there, Matthew nineteen uh, fifteen nine. But in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. So we've got the commandments of men being taught and constantly pummeled at us, um, and yet this is a vain worship, is what Christ is conveying there from His own mouth. This is a vain worship. Well, so well. Well, let's analyze that. There's no profit in it for them. So it probably makes them feel good, right? Well, but but, 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 more, but more sinister than that is what we just said. They know that it will lead to destruction and death. So back to your old analogy about in the garden. If the adversary says, well, did God say you could not eat of the trees of the garden? Well, no, no, no. He said we could eat of all the trees of the garden, except we can't eat of this one tree. Well, shazam. The reason he doesn't want you to eat of this tree is because when you do, your eyes will be opened. And you'll be as God's knowing good and evil. So listening to the adversary say these things, it looks good, it has beautiful fruit, <clears throat> what could be wrong with taking and eating of it? Other than it's a disregard of the command. And well, now it became a command of men. Well, let's think about this. 
Um, our one of our guests here says one of our guests here says it leads to judgment. Exactly right. It does lead to judgment. But the church world what? seems to tell us that those judgments have all been paid. So this, go ahead, Russell. This Eve, this Eve was actually partaking of his words. Yes. And he was sowing some bitter fruit, some some poison fruit, wasn't he? And she was eating it up. Yep, eating it up. And that's that's the whole point, you know. When when you disregard the command of the Creator, when you disregard the commands of Yahweh, when you disregard Christ. And his words, whom he came in the name of the Father, and he was given all power and authority, um, yeah, there, therefore, hey, um, I've got everything I need to understand that disobedience to the command is going to lead to destruction. It might even steal my life. It might even steal my child's life. You know, because seeking to steal, kill, and destroy is what Christ said in John 10. So he so, Christ said, I've come to give, not steal. Right. I've come to give you understanding and abundance. Not necessarily of money, but a life, you know, with a purpose. Yeah, I'm giving you the truth which leads to life. I've shown you by what authority I've come because the works that I've done declare it. (laughs) He's actually describing for us good shepherd and the not good shepherd. Here's you some tips, guys, so you can recognize the bad shepherd. You know, it's kind of like a how-to manual on how to live, isn't it? Yeah, you know, in John chapter, well, this, this whole gospel of John, when you think about many of the things that are written in here and um, as I mentioned in the series that we did on uh, Jew, Judah, Judean, Israel, and Jew um, in the months of October and November, uh, when when you consider many of those things that are relayed in the Gospel of John, um, it's pretty clear that what he keeps conveying repeatedly is how he is bringing that truth to those if they would just have ears to hear. And he spoke in a way so that those who did not want to hear or would not hear or could not receive the truth, that they wouldn't. He still intended for them to continue in their condition, which would lead to their destruction. And that's another thing that's very hard for the people to get a hold of is that he would, you know, literally allow uh, some to be led to destruction 
but that's in the manifest uh, you know power of God himself to decide who uh, he's going to allow and who he's not going to allow and if there is not a repentant heart there's definitely not going to be an any any entrance through the door of the sheep. Amen. So, but I I was just looking at some of my notes here that I had, you know, and we kind of started out with righteousness because I was thinking about all of the the ways in which God showed us in His Word that what he wanted and what he desired was righteousness. And um, and that's why I read that definition out of Webster's 1828 on, on righteousness. Because how can we... Purity of heart, rectitude of life, conformity of heart and life to the divine law. Now, he ties the word righteousness right there to the divine law. So I got to thinking of all the things in the divine law that our people don't even know about. You know, that they, you know, for just for example, I mean, so many of these things like fraud, um, how fraud is dealt with in the biblical record, how dishonesty, in fact, lying um, is dealt with. Um, and and what is to happen to the one who lied against another individual, another Israelite? You know, statutes and judgments regarding, you know, both dishonesty and lying, if you can separate the two, but there are uh, different separate variations there. Uh, well, you know, here- Here's a thought, too. Lest you be very careful, can you go over to that other side of the division? Because David stole, killed, and destroyed, didn't he? He stole a wife, he killed her husband, and he destroyed a marriage, didn't he? And he destroyed... his life as well but what I'm saying yeah. is he let his guard down didn't he yeah yeah and there's there's a message to us and and the message I kind of reading into this is you better stay in his domain not get careless lest you fall yeah and the yeah, beautiful thing, a beautiful thing about our God is he can salvage a mess. But, you know, the, the, the track, the track will still be there, the track of the things that was caused by that mess. But what the adversary meant to do for wrong, God can turn it into something done for good. So that's where we get our hope, isn't it? Yeah, Amen. Yeah, and, and the thing the thing about that too is that he he does not want his to perish, and he wants you to come to the love of the truth, 
uh-huh. and is willing to be patient and even extend the hand of grace. Remember how he said in Scripture, he said, Oh, Israel, he said, how I would have gathered you like chicks. You know, but mm-hmm. the more I read... Go ahead. No, I, I'm just agreeing with you. Oh, yeah. The the more the more that I reached out to you, the more I extended, you know, my arm to you, the more you rejected. And, you know, that's what we see so oftentimes in, in a family as well, parent-child relationship. A child begins to be disobedient and show signs of disobedience, and we reach out and reach out and try to correct and correct and correct until the point that, the correction almost seems um, uh, that it's not going to have the effect and what you have to see happen is the the utter destruction, which then you can reach back with the hand of grace and draw it back to you. And, and that's how he deals with us many times. Uh, as you said, David, as an example, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, Scripture tells us, you know, we should beware that lest we should be caught in our own infirmity as well. And so when we when we correct a brother, we want to do it in gentleness. We want it to have the force and effect of righteousness, however, so that we come back to that reality check, if you will, that says, hey, I've got to change this thing because if I don't, it's going to lead to destruction. You know, that takes us all the way back to, you know, Genesis chapter 4. And maybe I'll just read it again. And in that process of time, uh, Genesis 4 verse 3, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel he also brought of the firstlings of his flock, and the fat thereof, and the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. The Lord said unto Cain, Why are you wroth, and why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, thou shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou dost not well, sin lies at the door. And unto thee shall be the desire, and thou shalt rule over him. So, right there, still reaching out that hand to a troubled man. Cain, he says, you know, let me reason with you, young man. If you do well, wouldn't you be accepted? And instead, he says, you know, he warns him. He warns him about what sin is going to do, how sin's going to rule him. And then he goes out, verse 8, Cain talked with Abel, his brother. It came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him. So, in that very, very, very sense, that God spoke kindly, gently to Cain. So, are you sure you don't want to turn turn and go the other way before it's too late because this is what's going to happen. And if we could have God constantly there to say to us, oh, hold it, 
Doug, hold it, Russell, hold it. Are you sure you want to go that way? Um, and we do have that. We know we do. We have it in our conscience because we know of him and we believe on him. But well, the whole word. Uh, I tell you, huh? Literally, the whole word conscience literally means with truth. Uh, we know. It's like confident. Yeah. Confident. We we know right from wrong. And that's right. our truth. Our truth meter guides us. And so when we go bad, that thing is. Hanging out, whoop, 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 whoop. That's the conscious meter, and you're not going to be happy till it's dealt with. You ever noticed? I know you hadn't sinned, but maybe some of the others have. Oh yeah, I, well, I, 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 I was just kidding there, Doug. I know, I know, I know. You know what I'm saying? How many times have you done something and a whoop, 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 whoop a siren goes off, and you're like, no. And for me, I can I can tell you when these kids give me the wrong change in a, a big box store, I'll go. Do I want to correct them or just put it in my pocket? And I've <laughs> I've, come, I've come to this this sort of treaty. I'll tell them one time that you made the change wrong, and if they don't correct it, I stick it right in my pocket. But I do owe them, uh, you need to re-add that or recalculate that and make sure that's correct because it's not. And you would be surprised how many of them don't believe me. Well, and what I found is they want to get on to the next and it's it's, yeah. it's, it's not important. And, uh, not and, their money. They're hiring. Yeah. They're hirelings, exactly. And uh, that's when you say, well, here, I'm going to give you the dollar fifty. Just put it in your till because in the end, you're going to be three cents to the good because it was only a dollar forty-seven, and I don't want to, I don't want to make you have to give me the three cents back <laughs> if you don't understand what I'm trying to tell you in the first place. <laughs> Yeah, well, it, it uh, we went we went bouncing around a little bit with some different thoughts here tonight. I guess I'll have to try to figure out what I'm going to title this one. But well, um, righteousness—that's a very pertinent title. I know yeah, we did it, go around, but we we got. I think we got to a good place, and I appreciate your your. Uh, interaction and and so now I, I don't know where rich was tonight but we had some visitors didn't we yeah we did and um uh the the uh chat um we've got uh, we've got a gentleman that's joining us uh um I asked for a name, and he said just a man. So um, he did thank me for for acknowledging him, and I have thanked him for joining us as well. And uh-huh. 
Ron popped off, uh, he might have been on the road and and perhaps needed to to get back to the business of of driving. Um, so he didn't get back in. And uh, Isaac indicated that he might not be able to make it before the end uh, here this evening um, as some other obligations that he was uh, having this evening. And Rich, yeah, no, I hadn't heard from him, but uh, they usually don't head out uh, until um, closer to the middle of December, but my suspicion is he's he's packing He's packing things and getting things ready, you know, closing up things on the business there and uh, and many other things here because he does get busy before they get ready to head south. So um, that's my sense is he's probably working a plan on getting that done and m- might have been into something tonight that he just couldn't get couldn't get loose to get joined, but but that's no problem. That's why we record it and have it there so that people can listen in later when they've got a chance and see where our thoughts were and what things we had to talk about. So, but yeah, let's uh, close with some closing prayer and and uh, and I know it's getting to that time that you like to get off, so we'll wrap it up. Heavenly Father, I do thank you for the opportunity to be able to fellowship with these men. And Father, pray that any technical difficulty we had, we had a couple others that got on, Father, and I don't know what was going on, but everything was kind of going haywire, and some of them just went ahead and signed out. So, uh, But uh, we do appreciate it. We're happy for the technology that makes it possible that we can come and fellowship with others of like mind. And Father, we do pray that you keep us grounded in your word. We pray that you continue to guide and direct all of us to your will and to your desire. And Father, we pray that you'll continue to be with us as we continue to show others what your will is and how that will leads to life and not destruction. And so Father, that's our prayer and we continue to pray for our nation, pray for our leaders, those that say they are listening to the people who are yearning after a return to the righteousness that this land used to once exemplify. Father, I'm of the opinion and the belief that we've ran our course and we've polluted this land that you've given us and there's a great destruction coming as a result of that. Father, we pray that we be found doing your will and opening the eyes of those to see so that they can repent and they can truly be saved. We ask these things Continue to pray for those that are with child and those that, uh, Father, you've blessed in the womb. We ask for your continued blessing on those pregnancies. And we're looking forward to those days that they shall give and bear children that will come to the knowledge of you as well. So we look forward to that. Heavenly Father, we ask these things in the blessed holy name of your Son. You gave us as an intercessor and gave authority overall. We ask it in his name, Christ Jesus. Amen. 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 All right, you guys. Good night, everyone. All right. Good night. All right. Good night.